Are you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information. 484-364-1032 or text Jeannie White, station manager at T-H-E C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for a podcast show details. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep our, it simple. Uh, I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude. Stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job. Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Hello, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio Network, where our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. The views of the guests may not represent those of the host or the station. Folks, you're going to want to listen to this podcast. Are you a fan of Leonard Cohen? Did you like his music? Do you wonder what it was like to be on the Greek island of Hydra? And you're going to want to listen to my guest who was on the Greek island of Hydra and who was very friendly and lived um, with Leonard and Leonard Cohen and Mary Ann or lived close to them. Um, my guest today is Judy Scott, who is the author of Leonard, Mary Ann, and Me, Magical Summers on Hydra. The cover is just beautiful. Judy Scott, originally born and raised in New Jersey. Yay, Fresca Jersey girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now lives in Los Angeles with her spouse, Monica. Scott worked for many years at the highest levels of the independent film production and distribution business while raising her daughter, Tori. The project she was associated with garnered numerous awards, and in 2005, Scott helped launch the first ever LGBT cable TV network as a senior acquisitions and business affairs executive. She returns to Hydra often. Welcome, my fellow Jersey girl, Judy Scott. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good morning from Los Angeles. Uh, you're welcome. Good afternoon from New Jersey. I'm so thrilled to have another Jersey girl on. And yeah. they say you could, uh, you know, take the girl out of New Jersey, but you can't take New Jersey out of the girl. <laughs> Without a doubt. I went to a football game last Sunday, um, a week ago Sunday. It was a local team, the Chargers and the Giants. And there were a lot of Giants fans there. I was one of them. Oh, that's great. I just love the cover of your book. 
Thank duty. Um, it makes me want to go uh, to Hydra, which in Greece they pronounce it Hydra, yes. which uh, is interesting. And I'd like for you to tell the audience, I mean, you lived quite a, I want to say colorful, but very exciting <laughs> life. Um, when you write about, in your book, Hydra is one of the characters, um, the island, and it reminds me of throwback to Greenwich Village in the 60s, you know, very art, uh, very uh, much uh, artistic, um, music, and um, so please tell us why you wrote the book. Well, I wrote the book originally um, I, on a uh, based on my memoirs and uh, journals that I kept back in the early 70s when I was there, um, I was approached by an, an, another fellow expat from IDRA who teaches at Harvard University named Kevin McGrath. Um, he was putting together a compilation of a whole bunch of people that we knew, um, artists, writers, and um, hangers-on, um, and he asked me if I would contribute. He knew about my memoirs, and um, I told him that I would consider it, but first I would go and get Leonard Cohen's permission. One of the only, the only thing that Leonard asked me when we hung out together fairly closely for a, a whole summer was, please don't write about us, because he knew that I was there to do some writing, and I said, okay, I, I promise you I won't. And so I contacted him, and I've always had his email, and I've, I've always been in loose contact with him. And I said, you know, many years ago, 40 years ago, when you know we hung out together, you asked me one thing, please don't write about us, and I never have. But now I've been approached by some people who are putting together a compilation, and I would seek your permission to join with them. I sent him my memoir as an attachment. Um, at that point, it was about 90 pages long. And um, the very next day, I got an email back from him, which was just so edifying. It said, Dear Judy, thank you for sharing this very fine piece of work for which I have no objections whatsoever. It was touching to read about all, all our old friends and all of the good times that we had back then. And I was just like, well, this is great, you know, and... They only wanted to use 30 pages. I sent him 90 pages, and I had a lot more material that I knew I could uh, offer, uh, add to it. And so I thought, yeah, maybe I'll just do something on my own. And so I declined joining them. They did a self-published book called Idra Stories, and um, I was fortunate to get an agent, a lit agent, um, who was familiar with Idra and also with Leonard Cohen, and uh, we, we extended it. I worked with two different um, editors. It took about another two years to get about 260 pages together. And we were really lucky to find a publisher who loved Leonard Cohen, also was a Buddhist, because Leonard spent a lot of time in the Buddhist monastery here on Mount Baldy, and uh, got a contract and, and got a publisher, and it went out July 1st. And I had nothing to do with the cover. It's beautiful, and I love it. But they actually hired a design firm to do it. So if, if you want to get a, a, an interest in, in, in anything that Idra gives you, that cover really kind of says it all. Yes, yes, I agree. It looks absolutely beautiful. You were originally going to go to Istanbul, and yes. you went to Hydra. What a twist yes. of fate 
you know, how things <laughs> happen. And you yeah. met, you know, Mary Ann and, uh, and Leonard. How did that happen? That's so exciting. It's really funny because I didn't want to go to Idra. Um, we had, I was traveling with a bunch of kids. It was, you know, youth hostels and hitchhiking times back then. And we were staying at a youth hostel on Corfu, which is another very beautiful Greek island. Um, and we traveled to Athens together with the intention of going on to Istanbul. Back in those days, it was not recommended for single um, American women to travel on their own to Istanbul. It, it could be a little intimidating. And so we were all going to go together, but one of the uh, guys that I was traveling with said, let's just go to one more Greek island because we've only seen one. And I said, okay, but let's try and find one close because I, you know, I don't want to do another overnight ferry ferry ride. And so we went off to the Greek travel office and the clerk there said, this is the perfect one for you. It's only three hours by ferry. Back in those days, they didn't have hydrofoils. It's much quicker to get there now. And, uh, and it has no cars. And it's the only inhabited Greek island that does not have any automated transportation whatsoever. So we said, great. And we got on the ferry. There's a picture of me in the book. By the way, there's 55 photos in the book almost all of them uh, owned by me, and, and some, a couple of them were licensed from friends of mine, including pictures of Leonard that never have been seen before and of Mariana that have never been seen before. And a lot of the island and the island uh, are, are close associated friends, mutual friends. Anyway, we got to Idra, and they, uh, our friend, my friend said, okay, let's book for four nights. And I said, you know what, let's just book for three, because we can always stay that fourth night. It's, it's early May. It's not crowded. And so <laughs> I arranged to only book for three nights. I ran into the man the book is dedicated to, George Lialios. He's passed on. Very close friend of Leonard Cohen's. Very close friend of Mariana's. And uh, he invited me and, to join his party and go up to his house and have some wine and watch the sunset. And it was while I was there that I actually met Mariana. She came to use George's phone because she didn't have a phone. There were very few phones uh, on the island in those days. And we chatted, and she said, come and visit me at my house. And she said, you know, I lived with the singer-songwriter for many years. Maybe you would recognize him, Leonard Cohen. And I just about fell over. I mean, he's like, he was one of my absolute favorites. I had all of his albums, and I loved singing his songs. And, uh, and she said, come and visit me. And I said, well, I think I'm leaving tomorrow. And she, she just kind of looked me up and down, and she said, don't leave. This is a really magical place, and I think you belong here. And that was it. I mean, uh, concurrently, George Lealios offered me a room in his house. He had a 17-room mansion, beautiful, beautiful mansion that had belonged to a sea captain. And um, he offered me a place to stay for free, and so I spent the whole summer. And wow, you so couldn't... Wow, that's like you can't even plan that. That's just yeah, no <laughs> karma. I guess you know you want to call it for that to to have happened that way. Yeah, I, I it was pure serendipity. I told my friends down at the uh, little pension, I'm not going on to Istanbul. And after I got the uh, the memoir completely finished, I almost I wanted to call it. My agent didn't like this, but I wanted to call it. I never made it to Istanbul. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I still haven't. I've never been there. But, um, yeah, uh, after about 
two weeks of my being there, hanging out with Mariana, um, Leonard, she got word, Leonard's coming. And I was like, okay, great. Then I can't possibly leave now. I get to meet my hero, my musical, you know, inspiration. And, uh, and he came. He spent uh, a month. And um, I, I went to that house virtually every day. I actually only stayed overnight in it two nights. One, a, a raucous night that Leonard and his very best friend, Anthony Kingsmill, and I spent um, drinking and, and eating and singing um, till about 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I spent the night there. And then the very last night before I left, I also spent, um, we had dinner, Leonard and Mariana and I, and, uh, and I spent the night there. But yeah, it was it was incredible. It was a real life changing, transformational kind of experience with this musical master who really seemed like enjoyed talking to me and, and singing with me, and that still remains a very very singular and um, important recollection, I guess you could say. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can't even imagine meeting one of my favorite artist and staying you know with them that has that's like mind boggling you know i would i don't even know if i'd be able to talk well <laughs> with the starstruck it, it 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 did almost come to that because um although i was almost immediately comfortable with leonard he was just so open and kind and friendly um and just really seemed to enjoy the you know the hours that we spent together um each day he would work every day from very early in the morning until about noontime and then take off and we would go to the rocks swimming there are no sand beaches on Idra, but there's beautiful beautiful platforms and rocks that you can dive off of they have ladders built into them so that you can climb back into the um onto the platforms and we would go and swim every day and then come back and it was siesta time um between i would say between three and six you you just rested and were quiet and that's when i would go into his studio and and sing with him and talk to him and uh it it was it really was incredible and uh, at one point um leonard said you know judy you sing about as good as any backup singer that i've ever used if you want i can introduce you to clive davis now there's where the oh my god I you know I don't think I could do that I think I would as you said just freeze um so I said well thank you Leonard um but I think I have to make it on my own and to this day I kind of think wow what would have happened if I said oh that would be wonderful I would love to audition for Clive Davis but in all honesty like you said I think I would have just been mute and embarrassed and so it never happened Wow, think of the possibilities of what might have happened there, but this is what you were meant to do. You know, I always feel that way. Yes, no, I do too. I mean, I'm happy with my life. My life has been very um, interesting. Uh, Working in the film business was very interesting. Um, Meeting, you know, several actors that I became friends with, like Patrick Swayze and his wife, Lisa Niemi, and, um, and hanging out with them. Everything cumulatively to this day um, is what I believe I was meant to do, and and I'm very happy with the way it turned out, especially that I got to write the book and and that it got to be published. Yes, and I do love the pictures in your book. 
Thank you for mentioning that because they are, um, I, I love vintage photos and mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed looking at the pictures. What is your favorite song? If, or if you have a favorite song, you know, it's probably very hard to just narrow down a one song of Leonard yeah. Collins. Yeah, you're right, because there are so many wonderful um, songs and, and, and so many different genres or, you know, styles, um, some very upbeat, some very angry, and, and some very melancholy, and, um, and, and some, I think, joyful, like, like Hallelujah. But I think my favorite, um, and I've been asked that before, is a, a lesser-known one of his called The Window. And I just like to quote the, the chorus because it's just so beautiful. It goes, Oh, frozen love, oh, chosen love, oh, tangle of matter and ghost, oh, darling of angels, demons and saints, and the whole broken-hearted hosts, gentle this soul. And that just, that just it grabbed me. It's just so poetic, and the music behind it is absolutely gorgeous. So I would say that probably the window. Also, I actually kind of think I knew the window, so that, that made it very personal. That's beautiful. I'm going to have to look that up on, on YouTube again. I believe I did listen to it, but it was a while back, but now I have an incentive to go listen to it again. Judy, what would you like the reader to take away from your book about your experiences over there in um, Idran? Well, um, I'd, I'd like them to enjoy it, first of all. I think it's a good story. I think, um, you know, it, it's been edited and condensed and enhanced, and it's just a really good travel story, transformational story. It does have information about Leonard and Mariana that is not commonly known, just, uh, just the, the way they were together in day-to-day life and that they in, invited me to join. Um, and also that it was the last time... Uh, ever that they were together in that house on Idra, staying in the same house, the same room, the same bed. Um, after Leonard left that time in 1973, um, his, his other main um, uh, relationship with Suzanne, who's the mother of his two children, uh, Adam and Lorca, um, was already an ongoing thing for him. Um, Suzanne lived in his house in Montreal, and Adam was two years old. So we knew, we all knew, that this was kind of the end, kind of the, the culmination of all of his associations, all of his romance with, with Mariana. And so being witness to that was really, um, really special. Um, and I'd like, I'd like people to know about that part of him. I'll tell you that I did have a meeting with his attorney and the executor of his estate, uh, a man named Robert Corey. And um, the, the family had, had got an, a hold of my manuscript, unauthorized, but be that as it may. And they had a couple of requests, Lorca and Adam, for things that they would like removed. So I, I met with Robert Corey, and prior to meeting with him, I said, well, would you read the manuscript before we meet with each other so that I know, you know, we know what we're talking about, and it's the same thing? And he said yes, and I met with him at a restaurant in Culver City, Akasha, and I said, well, what did you think? And he said, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a very 
particular uh, situation here because I am not too worried about someone's reputation for the next 20 or 30 years. I'm really worried about Leonard Cohen's legacy for the next 100 or 200 years because I think he's an absolute genius in an equivalent to T.S. Eliot or, or, or Pound or any, any of the poets of the past. And he said, in your, your memoir gave me insight into Leonard Cohen long before I met him. I didn't meet him until he was in his 60s. And you've depicted the man when he was 38, and I think you did a really wonderful job. And I'd like to include your book in the, um, the uh, papers that they were putting uh, together at the University of Toronto. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's... That really isn't what I was expecting our conversation to involve, but I was absolutely tickled and, and really so pleased that he liked what I wrote and, and that he did think it was a very good depiction of who Leonard Cohen, the man, not the public figure, not the, you know, not the incredible musician, but the actual personality was when he was 38 years old. What an honor. You must yeah. have felt so honored. I mean, that is, I mean, to be included in his archive, in his musical archive that at the University of Toronto was, you know, an unexpected gift, just as Leonard was an unexpected gift. And just as, you know, having the book published was something I never anticipated. And, and it does, it is also a very good travelogue about a time and place um, in the early 70s. I mean, that was really the, I would say, the creative um, uh, you know, just the most creative uh, t- time. Um, there were a lot of artists there. Um, Bryce Marden is in, is considered one of the living uh, masters, artistic masters, by the New York Times Magazine. He has three houses there. Um, there are other painters. I was just there in October again. Um, there are other artists there who are fairly well renowned, especially in Europe, and and writers. And so it does depict, and a number of my friends on Idra who've read the book said, you really were able to um, articulate the, the atmosphere that we all lived in. And it's a very small island, and there's only about 200 or 300 people in the expat community. Um, so it was, you know, it was very enlivening, and, um, and I, I think people would be interested in, just as they are in, you know, Tate uh, Ashbury and what that was like, um, and Greenwich Village and what that was like in the late 50s, early 60s. Um, I know I wrote Idra in the 70s was, you know, the zenith and just the place to be. That sounds, the way you depict it and write about it, it just sounds so awesome. I wish I could go on a plane and hop right over there. <laughs> what did, I really do, what did Leonard Cohen? teach you if you had to pick one topic what would you say i think what he taught me was um to believe in myself i think that he taught me in a certain way to even be more accepting of myself i was just emerging as um as a gay woman um i i had relationships with both men and women at that time um and on idra and especially 
um, with Mariana and, and Leonard, it was just acceptable. I mean, you just were accepted for yourself. And it was something that I really had never felt being a Catholic school girl from New Jersey, never felt before. But when these kind of incredibly um, creative and impressive people just embraced me and, you know, just whoever I was was fine with them really gave me a sense of self-confidence and self-acceptance that I hadn't had before. That is so important. And, you know, people who listen to this show, we have a lot of millennials. So it's hard for people to understand that back in 1973, to come out as gay or lesbian at that time was really very brave, very courageous, and could have put an end to somebody's career. Absolutely. Um, And this is how it was back then, because I'm 64. So back in the 70s, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't discuss, you know, what someone's sexual orientation was. You kind of knew but you didn't ask and you didn't, um, you just didn't talk about it. Right. I found, you know, I found out, and this had to be late 60s, early 70s, my mom had a cousin who came out to his family and they kicked him out. Yeah, that was they very just him. Yes. And, you know, uh, I say you are very courageous, Judy Scott, for, <laughs> you know, being able to, you know, discuss it with them. And, you know, people, I think, in Europe were ahead of uh, the U.S., more accepting. Yes. And I just think that um, you were very courageous, you know, to go over there. And, you know, it is great to be accepted for who you are and for people to see something in us that we don't see in ourselves. Right. And that is very uplifting. I had that experience myself with people seeing something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I just think that your story, um, your book is just absolutely fascinating. It's a beautiful story. You stayed in touch with Leonard Cohen and Mariana. I thought it was Marianne. Right right until the very end. Yes, Mariana. (laughs) And what did Mariana teach you? It was a different, a different relationship, I, I would assume. Well, um, it was a very different relationship. I mean, I was crazy about her, and, and she returned emotionally at the very least. Um, she re- returned that love, and um, we, you know, we stayed in touch. The, the kind of interesting thing f- for me, the, the really um, delightful thing for me, is that I received permission from her uh, ex- executor, from her estate, to publish all her letters. Um, so and they very kindly returned to me all of my letters to her. Um, Mariana kept everything. She kept um, she had very wide um, correspondence over many, many years with many people that, um, that she loved or cared about or became involved with, um, both men and women. And, uh, and so the entire correspondence, it's probably about 25 letters back and forth, are in the book because I, I got my letters back. And, and it was really interesting for me um, in my 70s now, ugh, hate <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> to, uh, to read the letters that I wrote to her when I was in my you know, mid-20s. I mean, that was, it was interesting to see who I was back then and, and who she you know, 
thought of me and and it was just I did visit her in Oslo um in 1975, when I went back to live on Idra for a much longer period of time, six months, and um, and I spent a lot of time. I visited her and stayed with her for two weeks, and uh, and Axel, her young son, who you know tragically has serious mental illness and has had it for quite some time, um, but he was fine then, and we just had a wonderful stay. And seeing her letters to me, you know, so loving and saying, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to write to you. I wish you were here. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to see you and be with you it was just so um, edifying. It was just so wonderful to, to revisit the, those memories. I last saw her in 2013 um, on IDRA and, and we spent the day together. We had a great time. And, uh, and the last time I said goodbye to her, uh, my, my partner was with me, of course, and her second husband, Jan, was with her. And uh, and we parted in the in the harbor. Um, we were we were getting on the hydrofoil, and I I just gave her a hug, and um, I whispered in her ear, "I have always loved you." And she just hugged me and gave me this. She had this kind of bittersweet, sad smile, and said, "I know." So it, those are just really tender and special moments, I think, in your life. And um, and I'm so happy that I was able to share those uh, in the book with the world. And by the way, because the 70s were definitely the sex, drugs, and rock and roll period, there's a little bit of that in my book as well. Yes, that <laughs> uh, that definitely was. Um, <laughs> that for, for sure, you know, here in New Jersey, they just legalized marijuana, but there's no stores, you know, to get it. They right. have medical marijuana. And I said to my coworker at the time, because I had looked into medical marijuana, and it's so mm-hmm. expensive. And so I said it to my coworker, no $5 bags like back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. It's been legal here for a long time, but it is really quite expensive. <laughs> and now I just buy it to, you know, to ease my aching back. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and when I told, I was told a, a young person because you know, she obviously told me she was into that, and I said, well, back in the seventies, I you could get a sandwich bag full for five dollars. She says, you know how much that would be now? <laughs> a um, yeah, I looked at me like, hey, I was young once. Not that I brought <laughs> it, my sister did, but you know, I was young once. And sure. you know, it is um, amazing when you do go back into your uh, letters and the memories of how you were back in your 20s. Of course, you're different now in your 70s, and you wonder, probably the same thing I do, where did my life go? <laughs> how did that I get here? For sure. Yes. yes. I, I have to um, keep taking out my passport going, oh, yeah, I was born in 1946. It's hard to believe. I, I was. Go by really quick. Yes. Yes. And the older you get, I feel the faster the time goes. Yes, and, and um, I do have my daughter, Tori, um, her, her name is Victoria. She was actually started on IDRA. I became pregnant um, while living with Tori's father, um, another American that I met in Athens and invited to come out. Um, I was still you know, completely bisexual at that point, and um, James, her father, came out and stayed a month with me. Um, I had rented a house on IDRA uh, from a lovely man I'm still friends with named Lindsay Calicott, who's also included in the book, uh, some of his memoirs. 
he had, you know, he had quite a life too. But anyway, while uh, James was staying with me, um, I became pregnant, and uh, and so Idra didn't just give me, you know, Leonard and Marianne and all the wonderful people that I knew there, uh, some of whom I'm, I'm still close to, but it gave me my daughter, which you know is really wonderful and she's been back with me several times i think the last time she was there was her 21st birthday we took her for her 21st birthday Um, and now i have two grandchildren so life does go on it does seem to go really quick but um there's still stuff you know to live for and to look forward to which is which is wonderful absolutely i i just turned 64 uh this month and I'm thinking, you know, 70 is looking really young to me at this point. <laughs> 70 is not old anymore. That is <laughs> like I thought. true, I promise. <laughs> you know, and like the, when I was a teenager. You, the less you have to think about it, the easier it is. I just don't even think about it. You know, everyone always says to me, geez, Judy, I mean, you don't look 75. And I was like, that is the good news. Uh, yes. you, stay young, you stay young at heart. Yes, uh, definitely, and I'm definitely young at heart. Judy Scott, thank you so much for coming on, chatting with Betsy today. I'm so honored. Can you tell the audience uh, where to purchase your book, Leonard, Mariana, and Me, Magical Summaries of Hydra? It's in 67 Barnes & Noble stores, and it's available at barnesandnoble.com. Of course, it's available at amazon.com. It's available in most of the Amazon sites worldwide, so amazon.co.uk, .co.fr for France, .co.de for Germany, Australia, New Zealand. It's only available right now in English. We are working on a Spanish translation um, in Mexico City, but right now it is available on all the Amazon sites worldwide. And um, it's also available uh, at Target.com in the States and at Walmart.com in the States. Wow, that's that's out there then, pretty, you know, um, out there. And you also got great reviews on Amazon, I I must add. And I understand why. Folks, I want to encourage everyone to purchase this book, Leonard, Mary, well, I say Marianne, Marianne and me, Magical yes. Summers on Hydra by Judy Scott. You Thank need you to get so this book. You're welcome, especially if you were a Leonard Cohen fan. And if you're not, you know what? Look Leonard Cohen up on YouTube, and then I bet you'll be, in, be um, incited to get the book because that's what happens. You become a fan. You know, you read about a person. I mean, to be honest with you, I knew who Leonard Cohen was. You know, I heard of him. I heard his music, but I hadn't listened to it, you know, lately. But in reading your book, I went on, I started to listen to his music. So, you know, you read a book, you become a fan, you want to listen to the music, or you know about the music, but you don't know about the book. Right, right. There you have it, folks. For uh, younger people and and film fans, I mean, uh, his music is in Natural Born Killers. Quite a lot of his music is in Natural Born Killers. And also in um, the, the, uh, what was the other film? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't remember it. But that's That's what happens. (laughs) That's what happens. I understand. Yes, I I have heard his music 
in a movie now that you mention it, but I couldn't tell you which one it myself. Yeah, he's used quite a lot, and and in TV series too, especially Hallelujah. And in, in a certain sense, I know even he thought that it was overused. It's been covered by over two hundred um, singers and and musicians. Um, wow, it, it it works so well in so many different places that um, he, yeah, he, he's he's still. In fact, believe it or not, he's more popular now than when he died. And that happens. Yeah. A lot that someone yeah. becomes more popular once they have uh, passed away. Yes. Yes. I have heard of that. Well, I want to thank you again, Judy Scott, for sharing your story and writing your book, which I think will help other people. I hope you know, so. To... Betsy, thank you so much for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I welcome. really appreciate it. And wish everybody a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah, all, all the rest. Thank you. It's nice to help out another Jersey gal. <laughs> I enjoyed <laughs> talking you. to you. And I'm you grew up not too far month. from me. No, I'm going to be back oh, really? there next month um, visiting. My, it's my mother's 97th birthday, and I will be in oh. uh, Lakewood, New Jersey, and Bricktown, New Jersey, for about a week. Oh, Lakewood. My mom lives right by there. My mom lives in Manchester. I'm up in the Woodbridge area. But you grew up in New Brunswick. I grew around up, New Brunswick. Well, I went to high school in New Brunswick. I actually lived in Edison. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I live in Islin. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that something, folks? It's a small world. It really um, is. And Edison, wow. Yeah, I worked in Edison. So uh-huh. Edison, well, Edison is big, but... I'm very close to um, to Edison, so yeah. that uh, actually Islin borders Edison. Yeah. Um, so that part. is a small world. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, small world, I'll tell you. Um, thank you, and best wishes to you. I hope your book sells and uh, that people buy it and enjoy uh, reading it. Become Leonard Cohen fans. Um, I you know, it's a very rich in his music. I could just put it this way. It's very rich um, yes. in his um, lyrics. are just amazing. Yes. It's the only way I can put it. Special. Yes. Yes. Um, folks, please share this podcast uh, to help other people. And if you missed any of this podcast, you can hear it all over again. On your favorite podcast outlet, I am on Spreaker, Spotify, CastBox, name a few. It is free to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy. You'll never know who I will have on. I have all different kinds of guests and discussing different topics. You're not going to want to miss any of them. They are exceptional people that I have on my show, if I have to say so myself. (laughs) I took my own horn. (laughs) They are. I have very, very... Exceptional guests, very informative, great uh, resource, and I get educated every time uh, by my guests. I sure do. And I wanted to thank Jeannie White, who is station manager for producing the show and writing the blog, and Lillian Caldwell, CEO, Passion World Talk Radio Network, to make this all possible. And I wanted to thank Judy Scott's publicist, Lisa Warren, president of her company, 
Lisa Warren. Lisa Warren Associates, yes. Associates, yes. Thank you. See, my mind almost went blank. <laughs> Lisa Warren PR, there we go. Um, Lisa's great. And if anyone's looking for a publicist, Lisa Warren gets the job done. I can tell you that. She's and I just, yeah, she is a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to work with. And um, I'm not just saying that it's, it's true. So I just want to uh, say that. And folks, in a world where you could be anything, please be kind. This won't be posted till sometime in January, but I hope you have a happy, if you can't have a happy new year, I hope you have a peaceful one and a blessed one. And yeah, until we chat you. again, yes, oh, yes, your words to God's ears, yes. Until um, we chat again, please be kind. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio Network. Bye-bye now. Are you looking for an Internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the Internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information, 484 484- Three six four one zero three two. Or text Jeannie White, Station Manager at T H E C O N N E C T S H O W at gmail dot com for a podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A L E X A, AMFM two four seven dot com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine PM. YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.